morning. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Man, were those kids great? Awesome. That's great. Nasty. Go ahead. That's good. Great, walking right down the aisle there. That's good. You have two more right there, David. It is good to have you with us today, and uh, God is good. Amen? Amen. We have uh, Avery Brown sitting right here. Come up here, young lady. Beautiful young lady right here. And she was baptized last Sunday by Robbie right after church. And she is the uh, granddaughter of um, uh, Regina here. We're just delighted uh, that uh, she has chose to take this step in her spiritual walk. We're so proud of her. We're so thankful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful young lady inside and out, Father. Thank you for allowing her to be touched in her spirit, her heart, about the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus that he gave for all of us. But this special day that she gave her life to you, Father, thank you for that. Raise her up to be a mighty worker in your kingdom. Help her to know that we always will love her, that you will always love her more. Help her to seek you in all that she does. And thank you, Father, for young people that are giving their lives to Christ. For it is the way, the truth, and the life, Father. Pray over her and all of our young people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Great. Have some more good news. I love the good news. I love to get up and be able to tell you the good news, of course. And so today I'm just going to say that we have um, uh, some more new members. Uh, Gentry and Paige McLaughlin are sitting right back here. If you'll be standing, got to have you stand right back here. Very good. You can be seated. Great. A young couple that's been coming uh, several weeks now, and they've placed their membership, and they want to identify with Western Hills. And we are delighted to have you, a part of our, our family here at Western Hills. And um, so if you're visiting with us and you've been here a few weeks and you've, uh, you're liking what you see, we'd encourage you to ask some more questions if you have them. If not, if you want to place your membership, we're going to make that easy for you. We just want to love you and use the talents that God's given you so that we might glorify him a little bit better. Amen? And so we'll be thinking about that as you go. All right. A heavily booked commercial flight out of Denver was canceled and a single agent was rebooking this long line of inconvenienced travelers, of course. Suddenly an angry man walks to the front of the line, he slams down his ticket and he says, I have to be on this flight and it has to be first class for all in the terminal to hear. The agent simply said, well, I'm sorry, sir. I'll be with you in a few moments, but these people are ahead of you and I need to work with them. Unimpressed by what he heard, he yelled out even louder, Do you have any idea who I am? The agent never missed a beat. She reached over and she smiled and she picked up the public address microphone and she simply said, Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? We have a passenger here at the gate who does not know who he is. If anyone can help find his identity, would you please come to the gate? With that, the man retreated to the back of the line and everybody in the terminal broke out in applause. (laughs) Identity. Our identity. Last week, it it happened to me, and I'm sure it's probably happened to some of you. They say millions upon millions, it's a billion dollar business these days, identity theft. 
Last week, I received a text message through my bank saying, hey, is this legit? And I type text back, and I say, no, this is not legit. So they call me instantly, and they say, well, uh, according to our records, you are in Caldwell, Idaho, and you're spending like crazy. And I'm like, well, I'm in Lawton, Oklahoma, at Jeff and Galen Ranke's house, and I'm not in Idaho, I can assure you. And so we went through this long ordeal of working through that this past week of um, – some uh, identity theft. And uh, ours wasn't bad. I talked to the lady this week. Hers was about three and a half years just to get her name back. And some of you may have worked on some of these things as well, so you can identify. So in all of this, my wife asked me, Donna, she simply says, now, what do you think? And you can ask her. My first words were, well, I think God just gave me another message. So here's today, identity theft. That's how they come. So God is good. Amen. So I want to give you today some biblical solutions to the identity theft, to prevent identity theft in our spiritual walk with God, because it is happening right before our eyes. It's happening. It's happening within the church, because that's the place that it's targeted. It's happening among us. The devil will no longer be able to steal our identity if we remember who we are, who we belong to. I believe that. But we often forget that. We often slip. We often let that slide. We often get laxed in what we're doing to protect our identity. When he steals your identity, you forget your destiny. And when you forget your destiny, you begin to wander at best. If you don't believe so, just check out the Israelites in the Old Testament. But all through the Bible and even in history, our history teaches, and you perhaps know someone, that they've allowed their identity to be stolen. And it has cost them greatly to get it back. And some, they have never received it back. Now, while it is true, identity theft is a terrible thing in our country. Again, millions of people are going through this in their lives, even as I speak. But spiritual identity theft, spiritual identity theft is even a more serious thing. Because it can rob you of what God has for your life. It can rob you of what God has blessed you with in your life. Those who are found in Christ, that's the Christian. We are the only ones that can have our spiritual identity stolen from us. Our spiritual identity. The world, however, can have their identity stolen, but not their spiritual identity because they are not found in Christ, but we are. And there's a difference there. So we are the target. We have to first understand that we are the target. We are. I am. You are. And this is what's happening around us. In this, I'm sure that you have heard it before, but your identity is the key to your destiny. Your identity is the key to your destiny. Because it's not only tells you who you are, it tells others who you are, which is important. We need to know who we are but in who we are should be telling others who we are because we're found in Christ. Give me an amen. But I'm also sure that you've heard it this way as well. We are the sum total of the decisions that we make. We are the sum total of the decisions that we make in life. We know that to be true. What you chose to do yesterday is carried forth and is with you today. And what you choose today will carry forth with you tomorrow. And in that process, sometimes the decisions we make today will only affect us for a moment or just a little period of time. 
but many things that we do in making a decision has affected us a lifetime, anyone but me. And it's exactly how this works in our life. Because the scripture teaches very clearly that as a man thinketh, so is he. It's that process of our thinking that gets us into trouble. If we didn't have to think, we'd be fine. But then we would be squirrels or dogs or cats or whatever the case is. God's given us a free will, meaning he's given us a mind to allow us to think what we want to think. Ponder on what we want to in our lives. And what it is that we think about is what we carry forth in our daily lives, no doubt. Let me give you an example of just one thing in a decision. And I'll tie this to a scripture coming back in a few moments, and hopefully you'll see the connection. The decision, a decision. The decision to have sex outside of your marriage makes you an adulterer. A decision. A decision to reject Jesus keeps you lost eternally. A decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior connects with you that makes you saved eternally. A decision important in our lives. Now, write these things down because uh, I think these are good points and I think they would be good to for you to uh, to look at and, and, and certainly study a little bit deeper. I'm going to give you some points, but I also want to make sure that you understand this message is, is extremely covered by Scripture. I am not making this up. I will cover all my points by Scripture. I won't read all of the Scripture. Now, I believe a good preacher, notice I said a good preacher, and I'm not really there yet, but I'm working on it, can take one verse out of the Scripture and, and help bring it to the forefront that can actually change our lives. That's how powerful the Word of God is. One verse. But in many cases, we need to pull a lot of verses in. When I was growing up, we used to, when I was in high school, we used to have, we had this one preacher that was, he would just throw 45 verses in. He did 50 verses, 60 verses. And we would kind of sit there as teenagers would do sometimes, and we would just count the verses that he would quote. And, and what I discovered in not only counting those numbers, man, he was up to 50 today. And he would just quote them because he had memorized that King James. I mean, he had it down pat. But what caught my eye later on as I was growing up a little bit, I discovered that he was using the scripture, but it was out of context. But it really sounded good in the process. That's dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Because the only thing that can come from that is you are tooting your own horn. And when you toot your own horn, God is going to do something not really good. Okay? Because so the word has to connect with God and what he's wanting to teach at a particular time. So that's what I'm going to try to do today as we move through this. The common denominator that leads one to sin is a decision to follow personal desires. The common denominator that leads one to sin is connecting itself to a personal, to follow a personal desire in your heart. Period. It's the way it works. The common denominator for the Christian should be, and notice I should, said should be, a decision to follow Christ. But it doesn't always happen, does it? Because we all make decisions every day. And every decision that we make is not in the order to follow Christ. Anybody perfect in here? Anybody? Okay, good. So we're all on the same page. Bless you. Here we go. Bless you again. Here we go. When we, when we allow Satan to steal our identity, what happens? 
when we allow Satan to steal our identity, we can only give over to what we have left. What do we have left? Human desires. That's it. That's all you got left. Paul addressed the church in Rome and he said it like this. I'm going to read this passage. It's pretty lengthy, but hang on. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. Stop. They knew God, but they didn't do two things. They didn't give him glory and praise, and they didn't give him any thanks. You know anybody like that lately? Have you taken the time to glorify God? Stop in what you're doing and glorify God in your daily walk. Well, Harley, I'm just really busy. You know, God knows I love him. Have you taken the time to stop and glorify God and give him thanks for what you have and what you've been given? It goes on to say, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, so there it is, they became fools exchanging the glory of the mortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. So what happens in this process? When this happens, something else comes into effect. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires. There's the desire again. Human desires leads to sin. Remember that. Human desires always lead to sin. They will somewhere down the line lead to sin because they're from the human side not from the spiritual side. So it says here, it says, they gave them over to their heart of sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. It's what you want, it's what you get. Not that I okay it, but I give it over to that. That's what he's telling us. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Know any people that are doing that today? And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. Amen. The goal of the enemy is to steal your identity of the believer. John 10.10 If Satan can get you to forget about who you are and where it is that you came from, then you will forget, we will forget about our destiny. The madness, and I want to say this real clear so uh, nobody's misunderstanding. Hopefully you're not going to do that today. But the madness that is taking place in our world today is upon us. It is upon us because we have lost our identity in the one that gave us life eternal. It's happening right before our eyes. You know it and I know it to be true. So the only thing that sinful desire of man can do in this process is try his best to erase history. Because we can only go back to the human desire. And the human desire has always been to erase God. If I can erase God, I can do as I please. That's what happens. So listen, they are not after a statue carved out of stone. They are after a Savior that rolled away a stone. They are not after a monument sculpted by hands. They are after the one that has the nail-scarred hands. The core of what is going on, not the surface, but the core of it. You have to look at the core of things. The core of what is going on is that they believe if they can erase Jesus from history, people will soon stop talking about him, and so they can live their lives in sin and not feel any guilt about it. That's fact. That is precisely what they tried to do back then, and we are still trying to do it today. 
The ones that nailed Jesus to the cross thought by doing so that they could just keep doing the things the way that it always was. When they nailed Jesus on the cross, they walked away and said, Jesus said it is finished. Little did they know that it was just about to begin. When they left that day, they said, it is finished. We can now go about our business. We can do as we choose to do. God had a different plan, and praise God for it. Give me an amen. What kept Jesus on the cross was a willingness to be obedient to the Father. Because the Father loved us and wanted us to have a new identity. That's how good God is. That's how good God is. It's precisely why He gave us Jesus. It's precisely why Jesus stayed on the cross. Could have called 10,000 angels. He did it out of obedience to the Father because the Father wanted us to be able to have a new identity because He knew that the identity we had was on the human side and humans will always fall to the sin side. New identity in Christ Jesus. That should really cause someone to shout. The battle that is going on around us, according to Ephesians chapter 6, is a spiritual battle. Oh, on the surface, it may look between one group and this group and that group, this race and that race, but make no mistake and don't be fooled by the spiritual battle. The entire human race is guilty. All of us. And those of us that call ourselves Christians must not fall prey to the lie of Satan. For when we do, and if we do, we will lose our identity in Christ. So you have to set the stage to bring the good news. Where is your identity? Where is your identity? Don't talk about your mom and dad. Don't talk about your brother and sister. Don't talk about anybody else. Just think about you for a second. Where is your identity? Where does it lie in? Where does one find it if they've lost it? Perhaps yours is slipping away. Where does one find it if they've never... How do they get this new identity? It sounds interesting. Tell me about it. I'll be glad to. So here goes. First of all, we are called, we call ourselves Christian. The word Christian simply means Christ-like. That's our identity. We're called Christian. We are not, not because we belong to a different club. It is not to join the Knights of Columbus or the Masons and or the Kiwanis clubs or Sam's club. That's not what we are. We are people. We want to be people that are known to be followers of Christ Jesus, and that and He is our identity. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are all precious in His sight because we are found in Him and Him alone. He's our centerpiece. He is the one that we lift up. He is the one that we look to. And the world around us make no mistakes is longing to take the cross down. That's what they're after. 
Don't be fooled. They're after the cross. First John chapter 2 says, anyone who says he is a Christian should be or live as Christ lived in him alone. We live in a world like every, we live in a world like everyone else lives in the world. But we don't find our identity in the world any longer. We used to, because that's what we were. But that's not who we are. Give me an amen. Now, and this one, this is one of the biggest problems facing the church in the future, and even presently, is that if facing today, and I believe this, and that is that we are and have been allowing the world to shape us and to shape us into its way of thinking, rather allowing God to direct us in the way that He would have us to go. And by doing so, we have allowed Satan to slowly... Satan is very patient. But he is very patiently and slowly but surely stealing the identity of the church. Because that is his goal. So much so that oftentimes the world doesn't notice a difference when we go into the world. It's the frog being cooked in the kettle of water. Put the frog in the cold water, turn on the heat. He doesn't even know it until he's cooked. It's too late. In the world, but not of the world, of course, John 17 says. Also in Matthew chapter 5, Scripture teaches us, we we should all know this one, do we not? Is that we are the salt and the light of the world. Give me an amen. Well, in this process, we are to be the light and the salt of the world. But how can we salt the world with what the world offers? Think about it. If my identity is in the world, my worth can only be found in the world. And so what we're doing, what we try to do oftentimes is we try, we try to, uh, to season the world with the same thing the world has given us. So when we go into the world and we season it with the world things, it only tastes exactly like the world tastes. What we're to do is to go into the world and season it with something that's different than the world so that the world notices there's a difference. And we struggle with that. All of us do. I know I do. But when we do that, the world doesn't know a difference. You're just like me. You've worked worked next to me for years. You act no different. You say the same things. You, you, You use the same jokes. You listen to the same kind of stuff. You talk about this and you talk about that. And there's no difference there. And so the world says, huh, why do I need that club? I've already got this one. That's how it works. So James tells us, here's, here's the coming back to part. James tells us, God's people, in James chapter 4, he says these words. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means in, in enmity, I can't hardly say a word, against God. It's an enemy against God. Now the word adultery in scripture is not always connected to sexual adultery. Sexual adultery is wrong. It is a sin. And if you're living in it, you're living in sin. Period. It's wrong. Period. However, Scripture oftentimes doesn't talk about the sexual adultery. It's talking about the spiritual adultery among God's people. That's precisely what James is getting at here in James chapter 4. Adultery. 
Adultery means they belong. They belong to someone and they choose to identify with someone else. I am married to my wife, but I choose to have sex or identify with another woman. Adultery. God's people. I identify with God, or I'm married to God, or I love God. I've given my life to God. He is my first priority in life, but I choose to identify with other things. Spiritual adultery. It happens on both sides. Romans chapter 12. What's the remedy? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because there's where it's going to get you. Right there. You gotta start thinking right. Start, um, I think Joyce Myers in one of her books, and I'm not a great fan, to, uh, just to let you know, but, but, you know, you can eat fish and spit out the bones and should be able to do that. It's stinking thinking, she says. When you get stinking thinking going on in your mind, you know what you get out? Stinking things. That's right. So you gotta have this mind, we gotta transform this mind. If you go to the world, you can't transform it because it's only giving you what the world thinks. Well, I think we ought to do that. That sounds like it'd be, it'd bring a lot of peace. That'd be just wonderful. Just go kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. We have to understand that there's an enemy that's out there. And he is trying his best to destroy you. And it only, <laughs> it, it starts on the fringes and it works its way in. And that's what happens. The pattern of the world teaches you this. I, I would question anybody that thinks differently in this one. The pattern of the world. Now you can say, well, I know some friends and they're great people. I understand that. I understand that. The pattern of the world teaches you that adultery of any form is perfectly fine. Doesn't affect me. I don't care. Well, what is the solution? All right. Glad you asked. Let's continue. Hey, this one's good. Second Corinthians chapter five. Give, give me a lot of verses, but I could give you a whole bunch more. This is a verse we, we need to hang our hat on really good because therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Give me an amen. Something has come into my life that's new. This is the birth thing. We're talking about birth. You get birthed. You're born into this family of God. Now my identity is no longer with the world. My identity is in Christ. Hallelujah. I like this, uh, the Living Bible translation there. A new life has begun. The beauty of becoming a child of God, for those of you that are not, and those of us that are need to be reminded, the beauty of becoming a child of God is that He has given us a new identity. Let's find out if that's true. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's take a look. Notice what he says. He starts off, as for you. This is the church at Ephesus he's talking to, but you need to let it talk to you today. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Sin allows you or causes you to die. And when you die, you're lost. Okay? That's what that does. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world 
and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who is now at work, still at work today, in those who are disobedient. That's talking about Satan and all of that. But he's reminding the church, and I want to remind all of us today, that that's what we were, but that's not what we are. Amen? Now watch. It says, all of us also lived among them. So all of us are guilty. That's why I said all humans are guilty, because we are. So in this, he says, all of us also lived among them at one time. Gratifying what? The cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Notice the desires there. We have those desires. Those desires and thoughts was what? The cravings of the world, because that was our identity. Now it goes on to say, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Hold on. Deserving wrath. In that process, that last part, we were deserving that. First verse. Back to it. Death. We deserved it because that's what we were. Here's the good news. God's going to bring it. This is the good thing. Listen to it. Go ahead. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Stop. Read too fast. You miss it. God rich in mercy. How rich is God? You see, if you talk to someone and say, boy, He's rich. He makes $100,000 a year. A million, and then he looks at the hundred thousand dollar a year guy. He looks at the million dollar a year, million dollar, ten million, ten million, hundred million, hundred million, a billionaire, maybe even a trillionaire. And we think, oh my goodness, the rich. Listen, God has it all, all. So what is God's riches? You can't measure it. This should be a great big amen, thank you God, hallelujah moment. Why? Because He is rich in His mercy. Has He had mercy on you in your life? And if He's had mercy in your life, aren't you glad? Because the fact is, you're going to mess up between now and the next time you talk with Him, but His mercies are rich. Hallelujah. Because our identity is in Him. Amen? Okay, man, I want to get to preach here in it, but... Made us, watch this, made us alive with Christ. Hallelujah! Made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, we were dead, we couldn't do nothing about it, His mercy came in, and He made us alive, even when we were dead. Hallelujah! It means that a grave cannot hold us. All right. And God raised him up with Christ and seated him in all these beautiful, beautiful things that God wants for your life there. I won't read the rest. What I'm trying to let you see here, hope that you will see here today is this. That our new identity is in Christ. He is the key to our new identity. He's the key. A couple more verses. First Peter. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's what he thinks of us. First Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Hallelujah. It's my new identity in Christ. My new identity. Now, you may be saying at this point of the message, and I've got just about five minutes, and I'm going to wrap this up quick, but hang on. You may be saying to yourself, well, I'm not sure about that, Mr. Preacher. Thank you for the message. Let's go out to eat. Or you might be saying, I like being me. Thank you very much. And I'm glad you like being you. But I want to make you a couple of things, uh, suggestions before you leave. 
and I, I wrote a, I wrote this in this morning. Just I don't know why. I just wrote it in. I said, listen closely. I want to give you some God love here. So let me give you some God love. Okay. Your identity in life can only be found in one of two places. That's it. Your identity can only be found in one of two places. In the world or in Christ. That's it. That's it. If it's found in the world, think about it. If it's found in the world, there is only one result. Just one. No, this number. That's it. Not these. Not options. One. If your identity is found in the world, you only have one result in the end. No matter how good you are, and I'm sure that you're good. And that is lost for eternity. But that it can all change today. Look at just a few of the things that you get if your identity is in Christ. Remember, identity in the world, one thing, lost eternity. But here is just a few. I could give you at least a hundred. If you want a hundred, I'll find you a hundred. Here's just a few. Here we go. I am forgiven on the account of Jesus' name, according to 1 John chapter 2. Your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. Give me an amen. I am a child of God, 1 John chapter 3. We are called, what the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I am a child of God. The world identity, that's what you got. One thing, lost eternity with God. I'm a child of God. Isn't that good? It is for me. Man, I feel like a Pentecostal preacher up here. Hang on. I am loved. I'm loved. The world doesn't love you. Oh, yes, it does. Mommy and daddy loves I know your mommy and daddy love you. You're right. God loves you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Listen, the ones that want to take down monuments are the ones that want to take down the cross. When they take down the cross, they're going to take down you. I don't care who you are. Because the world will never be satisfied because the world is only eating what the world offers. I am loved by God. I have life. Woo! Whoever has the Son has life. Do you have the Son? You have life. You don't have the Son? You don't have life. You got one, one result. One against about six already right here. And let's keep going. I am born of God and the evil one. The devil cannot harm me. Hallelujah. The evil one, the evil one cannot harm me. Do what you want. Light the torch. My God is an awesome God. And even if my God doesn't save us from this, this, this. Remember? Remember the three guys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, oh king, even if our God doesn't save us from this, we will not serve your gods because we know the one true God. And we know what happened, don't we? Beautiful story. I'm going to teach you that in a couple weeks. I haven't done that in a long time. So just forget you heard that last part. All right. I am a temple, a dwelling place of God. His Spirit dwells in me. If you're a Christian, listen to me. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God, the Creator of everything, lives within you. Think about that. Take a big, deep breath. Will you, everybody, take a big, deep breath? Did you feel that Spirit in there? Some of you need to take three or four deep breaths, but let's go on. 
I'm a fellow citizen with the rest of God's family. We're one great big family. Look, my mom and my dad and my brother are all in heaven. A lot of my friends are heaven, uh, heaven, and many of that we we know and that used to be with us right here, they're in heaven. But you know what I have, and you know why I I love coming to this place because I see my family every week. You are my family. You may not like me, but I'm your brother. Ha ha ha. Take that. But I'm not going to dance because you wouldn't like it. All right, here we go. Where, where am I at? I don't even know where I'm at. Fellow, oh, there we are. I may approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. Isn't that awesome? That God gives me, little old me, Harley Davidson, a little old me, little country boy, gives me the right to come into his throne room through Jesus Christ because I identify with him. I go in Jesus' name. We're going to have a prayer class coming up in a couple of weeks on Sunday mornings that I'll be teaching. We're going to be talking about that. Going into the throne room of God. Do you, do you realize what's really happening there? I don't know that we do sometimes. The throne room of God. And the only way you get there is through Jesus Christ. Because your identity is in Him and not in the world. It's the only way it works. I just thought about that one. Write that one down so I don't forget. I have been rescued from the dominion of Satan's rule and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. Scripture says, I've been rescued. Rescued. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Again, Colossians chapter 1. And finally, I would say, heaven is mine. Hallelujah. And you will be given a very great welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You'll be welcomed. Why? Because your identity is in Christ. If you know Christ, your destiny is heaven. Now notice, what part of that is not good that I just gave you? It's all good, isn't it? What part of the world offered you was good? One thing. My identity is in Christ alone. Don't allow Satan to steal it. Keep keep your mind set on Christ, Scripture says. So here's the question. Would you like to receive a new identity today? It's available for the asking. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You don't have to run around the building. You don't have to write a check. You don't have to pay union dues. You just have to ask. It's available. You can keep your own found in the world, or you can claim the one that gives you more than you can imagine. Your choice. Someone said it long ago this way. God votes for you. Satan votes against you. You cast the deciding vote. What will it be today? Can we help you with a prayer concern? Something on your heart? Something that's heavy? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a praise. We'd love to hear that as well. Or maybe today you'd love to give your heart to Jesus and be identified with Him as your Savior and Lord. Whatever your decision is, we're here for you right now as we sing this song. You come.